0: Let's turn over to Matthew chapter number 28 tonight, Matthew chapter number 28, I've been uh, wrestling with which direction to go this evening, Uh, there's a whole mountain range in Matthew and we'll not be able to cover all different majestic mountains in the gospel of Matthew, Uh, over in chapter number 24 there is the mount of prediction and there we see the Lord. Uh, on the Mount of Olives, telling us how things are going to be uh, just prior to His coming, His return. And a lot of those things are looking toward the uh, uh, kingdom. Some of them have to do with the rapture of the church, but uh gives us a lot of insight into what to expect <clears throat> in the coming days and in the days that we're living in. And when you read Matthew 24 and you compare it to the times that we're living in, you wonder... Why? He's not already returned. And i tell you, there's a lot of signposts along the way saying, Lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. He that will come shall come, and will not tarry. He'll be right on time. He No man knows the day nor the hour. No, not the angels in heaven, but my Father alone. But uh, the apostle said in Thessala, to the Thessalonians, he said, uh, I don't even have to need to write to you of the seasons. Uh we know that wintertime's coming. We pulled out our coat, man. I I didn't I went out of here without my coat last night and I'm paying for it this evening. Amen. Uh but I brought me a little vest to put on because wintertime's coming. It jumped yeah. from uh summer to uh winter in a hurry here. So we know the seasons are coming. The uh leaves are starting to turn and We know the time is nigh. We may not know exactly when He's going to come, but we do know that He will return. And then on over in chapter number 28 is the mountain of commission. And there the Lord commissioned His disciples and gave them uh, the commission to go into all the world and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh, but tonight I want to look at another mountain, and this is the greatest mountain in the Word of God. Verse number 27 of Matthew chapter number 27. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus unto the common hall, gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they mocked him, they took the robe from off him and put his own raiment on and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrenia, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Sitting down, they watched him, and set up over his head this accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were the two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. They that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyed the temple, buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross." Likewise also the chief priest, mocking him, with scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lemma, Sabothani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. But straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar. Put it on a reed and gave him the drink. The rest said, Let let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and there came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Lord, truly, you are the Son of God. We're grateful we can come to your throne room of grace boldly tonight to seek help in this hour of need. And Lord, we come by thy precious blood, Knowing, dear Lord, the blood has never lost its power. Through the blood you've given us the throne rights to come and seek your face. And tonight, dear God, I pray that you'll help us in this service. I ask you to quicken us according to your loving kindness. I pray you'll bring the scenes before us. And may you help us to be able to worship you in truth and in spirit. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you, God, for their generosity, their hospitality. Thank you, God, for the open door to come night after night and preach on these glorious truths that you put in our heart. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll give uh, that manifestation of your divine power, bind the devil, every war and principality. God, grant unto your servant liberty to preach. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach tonight on the subject of the Mount of Crucifixion, the Mountain of Crucifixion. Now, when we come to this mountain, we find that this is the central theme of the Bible. Its range runs from Genesis to Revelation. It reaches from the highest heaven to the lowest hell. This is of the red mountain range, for there the precious blood of Jesus Christ was shed Upon this place called Golgotha, we read, my friend, upon this mountain where sin did abound, but grace did much more abound. Upon this mountain, the crucifixion, the holy covenant of God was signed by the blood of Jesus that would redeem us and bring us into the family of God. It was upon this cross that the only hope given unto you and I that we could have to be saved took place upon this mountain called Calvary. Upon this mountain we see the sweltering, swollen body of the Son of God writhing in agony and in pain, not for any crimes that He had done, but for my sins and for your sins. On this mountain is painted the divine love of Almighty God, If you ever want to ask the question, does Jesus love me? You just take a look on this mountain and see what happened there at Golgotha. Upon this mountain, the darkness fell and the wrath of God was poured upon the darling Son of God who deserved nothing uh, of judgment, but He took my judgment and He took your judgment upon Him. Upon this mountain, we see there stood the most wicked that had ever stood, crying, Crucify, crucify, crucify. But on this mountain hanging on that cross stood the most loving and the holy righteous Son of the living God. Upon this mountain hung three men. Two of those men were godless thieves. But on one of those crosses was God Himself who had incarnated and come down to be our Redeemer. Upon this cross, my friend, we see that there was one that died lost. There was a thief that died saved. And the other died freely that we might be brought into the kingdom of Almighty God. On this mountain, the sweet rose Sharon was crushed. And the sweet fragrance of God's holy forgiveness has permeated the ages. And tonight we're able to smell that wondrous savor of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he left behind in order that we might be saved by the grace of God. Upon this mountain was the Lamb of God led to the slaughter to show how holy God Almighty was. Man's horrible nature is examined on this cross And we see how wicked mankind was. But we see how gracious, how loving, and how merciful the Lord Jesus was. On this mountain there was no joy that day. But because of what happened upon Golgotha, thank God I have joy for every day. On this mountain there was no peace, total turmoil, and trouble But because of what happened on this mountain, I have a peace of God that passes all understanding. On this mountain, there wasn't one ounce of love poured out toward the Lord Jesus Christ. But on this mountain, thank God, the love of God was poured out like it's never been seen or never will be seen. Unto those, my friend, that'll call upon his blessed name. Upon this mountain, we see death and agony. But because of this mountain, thank God, we have eternal life and life eternal and we'll be in heaven forever and ever with him. Upon this mountain my friend we see where righteousness and peace kissed one another. Jesus crushes the devil's head and the triumphant glory of our Savior ends with it is finished and the veil of the temple being rent in twain because of what he did upon this glorious mountain of crucifixion. Now when I think about this mountain, I want to look at several truths. Number one, I want to look at the shadows of this mountain. The Word of God has had a shadow, and it's been pointing toward Golgotha. It's been pointing toward the mountain of crucifixion. The Old Testament has said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He's coming. We prophesy it. We declare it. He must fulfill this. It has to be. Now, there are three different occasions in the Old Testament where this mountain is named, and one of them is found in Genesis 22, if you want to turn there. Genesis chapter number 22, we read about where Abraham was told by God to take his son, his only son Isaac, under one of the mountains of Moriah, and where Jesus died on Golgotha, It was on the mountain of Moriah. And it's the very same place that this story takes place in Genesis chapter number 22. Abraham takes Isaac, his son, on a three-day journey. And there, my friend, they go up on that mountain leaving the two young men and the donkey behind. And we find that Isaac received the wood from his father And he bore that wood as he walked up that mountain called the Mount of Moriah, which is what we know as Golgotha. And the scripture tells us how that Isaac said not a word. Isaac bore the load willingly. He did ask his father, here's the knife, here's the fire, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham in prophetic utterance said, my son, God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Not God would go get one, but God was going to be the lamb for the burnt offering. And they too went on. Isaac saw that his father had laid him down and bound him, and that told him that God said to offer him there on the altar. And Abraham wasn't withholding anything from God. And he raised his knife. But as he raised it to come down, the angel of God stopped him. And he said, Abraham, do the lad no harm. And he looked and behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket. And he took the same knife that would have crucified his son and he cut him loose. And they went over and they took that lamb and they laid that lamb down on the altar and the lamb became the substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac that day. And Isaac was able to get up off that altar in resurrection time and walk back to the house with his father because the lamb had taken the place. This is Mount Moriah. Calvary is the highest point of the rock of Moriah and that's exactly what God did except there was no deliverance for Jesus Jesus would bleed and die until he gave every drop of his royal blood that you and I who should have been nailed to the cross who should have been crucified who should have died it was Jesus that took our place and just like Isaac got off that would be grave my friend I praise God was able to go free for Jesus became my substitutionary sacrifice for this mountain there's a shadow God's foreshadowing and telling us what he's going to do one thing about that Bible that outrules outranks and outreveals all other books is God writes prophecy better than men write history and the Lord tells you what he's going to tell you without telling you what he's going to tell you until he's already told you and then he lets you know that he's already told you when he told you what he told you and you didn't know what he was telling you. But when he fulfills it, then you realize, man, he's already told me this. Woo! hallelujah. Blessed be his name. There's the shadow of this mountain there with Abraham and Isaac. Then turn over to 1st Chronicles chapter number 21. Uh, there's a second place that this mountain is mentioned in 1st Chronicles chapter number 21. Starting down there in verse number 18, find that David had done a grievous thing. He as the king had numbered the people and he rose up in pride and he did that. Now for many years this bothered me because we had a Sunday school board uh, in our church right behind the preacher. And every Sunday school, after Sunday school, somebody would come by, change the numbers on the board. And I thought, oh no, God's going to go to killing somebody for numbering this crowd. David numbered the people and God put a plague on it. And I didn't understand it until I studied Exodus chapter number 30. And in Exodus chapter number 30, God said, Now, when you number the people, I want you to charge them a half shekel per man. And that half shekel is to be brought into the sanctuary and it's to be used for the service of the sanctuary. And if you don't do that, I will put a plague upon the children of Israel. Well, David got filled with pride and he polled or he numbered the people. But he did not tax them that have shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And so God did just exactly what he said. He said, you have counted the people and not done it like I told you to do. And therefore my judgment is going to fall upon the children of Israel. And the Lord told David, I'll give you one of three things. What do you want? I'll turn you into your enemies or there'll be days of famine or I will judge you. And David said let me fall into the hands of the Lord for man won't know when to stay. And he said let me fall into God's hand. Well the plague began to fall upon the children of Israel and the people began to die. And so the Bible tells us that David went down to Ornan's threshing floor, the Jezebite. And this threshing floor of Ornan was in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us where it was at. It was there at the rock of Moriah. And the Bible says that he said, Give me this threshing floor or an end. I'll buy it from you for full price. And he said, No, I'll just give it to you. I'll give it to you. And David said, No, I'm not going to offer God something that didn't cost me anything. And so he paid him for that threshing floor or an threshing floor. And the Bible says that there David offered an offering offering unto God, a blood offering, and set up an altar in verse number 18 in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jezebite. And this threshing floor is where the temple was built. And it is on the rock of Moriah. And there is he offered that blood sacrifice. And he paid full price. The Bible said that the plague was stayed. And the judgment of God, fire fell on the offering. And the Lord commanded the angel. And he put the sword back up in his sheath. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And you see, the judgment was stayed because of the offering. I'm glad, thank God, when I had the plague of judgment over my head and when I had not paid what God wanted me to pay and I transgressed against the law of Almighty God, I'm glad there was one that went to the threshing floor of a place called Moriah upon the hill of Calvary and there he shed his blood. And when Jesus cried, I thirst, the fire of God was falling upon him and God was taking uh, his wrath out and fulfilling his judgment and having the price totally paid for every one of my stinking sins, hallelujah. And when Jesus cried, it is finished, the angel put his sword back in his sheath. When I bowed my knee and called upon the Lord, thank God the law's sword was put back in its sheath, and now no longer am I on the wrong side of the law, but thank God the law says I'm happy, I'm fulfilled, I'm satisfied, because the offering has been paid and now the plague of judgment is gone and it ceased because of what Jesus did for you and he did for me, hallelujah blessed be his name so we see another shadow of that mountain called Calvary this mount of crucifixion then turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter number 3 2 Chronicles chapter number 3 This is not the last place that this Ornan threshing floor is mentioned. But in chapter 3 of 2 Chronicles, it said, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, where? In Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jezebite. Boy, get the picture now. David bought that threshing floor. The blood was shed there. God's judgment and mercy had fallen. The sacrifice had been made. Now, upon that which David has paid for, Solomon comes along and he begins to build the temple of God upon Ornan's threshing floor. Glory to God. You know, he hired men, the best men and craftsmen that there was and he brought all those materials together and he built a house that God filled so full that when the priests went to enter in, they couldn't even turn the doorknob. God's glory was so rich and full and real. Well, you know what? Thank God the Holy Ghost has been building upon the foundation of the blood of Jesus. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. And upon the foundation of the precious blood, the Holy Ghost has been building a holy temple called the church of the living God. And he's been putting blocks and rocks and building and logs and and timbers and bringing it all together. And thank God one of these days the church is going to be complete. And just like Solomon bowed down there on the, on the pavement and he lifted his hands and he dedicated that temple to God, one day when the last one gets saved, the Bible said, ye are the building of God. Ye are the habitation of God. Ye are the holy temple of God. And one day when the last one gets saved and the Lord puts the last one in this building of the temple, the Father's going to say what Solomon said. He said, it is finished The temple is finished and now God inhabited that. And one of these days when the temple of God is finished, we're headed to the glory world. And thank God you talk about a dedication service. The smoke of the glory of the Lord is going to fill the temple and God's children are going to worship Him forever and forever and forever. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's some construction going on right now. And all of that construction is built on none other than the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on this mountain of crucifixion called Calvary. Amen. So there are some shadows on this mountain. Secondly, I'll think about some significance back here in Matthew 27 of this mountain. What does Calvary reveal? Well, I say it reveals two things. It reveals the wickedness of man. How depraved is man? How fallen is he? How wicked is man? We got an idea in this day of humanism and it's crept into our pulpits across the land that there is some resemblance of a spark of good in all humanity. The Bible says there's none good, no not one. The Bible says there's none righteous. The Bible says there's none that seeketh after God. They've all turned out of the way. We all, like sheep, have turned everyone to his own way. You want to know how wicked man is? You let the holy, innocent Son of God come and do no sin and not uh, be guilty of having a sin nature. Do nothing but right and perfection and tell the truth and declare the holiness of God. And you know what man will do after they visually see all the miracles and all the mighty works that God did through the Lord Jesus? They'll bring him before the courts of man Have a kangaroo court. They'll crucify an innocent man and they'll say away with him. We don't want anything to do with him. Nail him to a cross. Beat him. Whip him. Pluck his beard out. Put a a mock crown of thorns on his brow. Slap him across the face. Rack him in pain. Whip him with a whip. Shred him and put him on a cross and then stand there and mock him and spit on him and revile him. You want to know how wicked man is? Look at Calvary. What this mob's doing in our country is nothing new. There have been mobs down through the ages that have killed God's prophets. And yea, it come to a head that day when they crucified the innocent Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know what Calvary reveals? It reveals how depraved and wicked and ungodly mankind is. You want to know what else it reveals? It reveals the deep, deep love of God. Hallelujah. It reveals a love that this world knows nothing about. It reveals grace and mercy and kindness that when man would do the very worst that he could do, meaning it for evil, God had a plan set forth for good. Amen. And even though man took his wicked hands and crucified and slew the Lord of glory, Peter preached there in the book of Acts that God would raise him from the dead. And now by him we preach peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And while man is doing his worst and sin was abounding, glory be to God, grace was much more abounding. Yeah, that's the significance of Calvary. Hallelujah to his name. Then I think about the sacrifice on Calvary. It was the ordained sacrifice. The Bible says in Acts 2.23, And Jesus being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain the Lord of glory. Calvary was no accident. God said that it was by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of Almighty God. There was no other way. God set in motion all the plans. And men can do what they want to do. But God is the master chess player. He's already said checkmate before they ever get to the board. Amen. And before there was ever a sinner, God already had it ironed out that he according to the determined counsel and the foreknowledge of Almighty God and foreknowledge doesn't just mean that God knew that it would happen it meant that God laid the plan out and his knowledge laid the plan out and the God of all knowledge put it all together in order that it could happen and in order that it would happen Amen the only ordained sacrifice 1 Peter 1 18 through 21 for as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God as of a lamb foreordained, poured on ordained that he might bleed and die upon the cross of Calvary. Yeah, Calvary tells us God's in charge. Amen. It's the only ordained sacrifice. The only one got God's stamp of approval on it is what Jesus did on the cross. Not only that, it's the only sacrifice. Search out all of heaven. Ask the angels, angels, would you die for me? And the angels say, no, I am but angelic being. I don't even have any blood to shed for you. You go to the animals and the animals, you say, well, you got blood, animal. Yeah, but my blood, I don't have a soul. You see, I'm this body and God put in me an animal spirit, but I can't give my soul for you. I was used as the token in the credit card till Christ came, but all of my blood that was ever shed can never wash away one sin. You go to the devil and say, hey, Satan, can you die that I might be saved? And the devil say, I'm in a bigger mess than you are because I don't even have a chance to get saved. I'll never even have an opportunity to get saved. I know I'm headed to hell. I sure can't help you out. Praise God, I come to Jesus. I say, oh, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he points me to yonder hill on the crucifixion day where he bled and died. And he said, uh, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to save. And I have finished it all. I have tasted the powers of hell that you might not have to. I've tasted the wrath of God that you might not have to. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Just like Noah's Ark only had one door, there's only one door to heaven. That's exclusively the Lord Jesus. And you've got to come to this mountain of Calvary where Jesus died if you're going to get into heaven, because there's where the narrow way is opened up. Not of my works, not of your works, not of my righteousness, not of your righteousness. But Jesus is the only doorway of salvation. Man, I run into a lot of folk around this world. I hear a lot of folk say a lot of things. And I like to get them to the bottom line. I like to look at them and say, if you were to die right now and stand before God, why should God let you into heaven? I've heard them say this, well, you know, I don't deserve it, but I've tried to be a good neighbor, but, I've tried to do this, but I belong to church. One time, my son Bridger and I were down in Mary and was buying some chickens from an old fella. I asked him that question. He said, well, you know, if I had to stand for him, I guess I'd have to say, I give people a pretty good deal on chickens and I don't cheat them and all that. I went, eh, wrong answer. And he looked at me and he said, wrong answer. What do you mean? I said, you know, if you give that answer, God's already given his reply. He said, what's that? I said, the Lord said, many will stand before me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not worked? Have we not done? God's going to say, eh, wrong answer. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, for I never knew you. Say, what is the answer? And he asked me that. I said, You better get down what they're going to be singing in God's choir in heaven. For over in Revelation, the blood washed, redeemed are going to be there in white robes. And here's what they're going to be singing Worthy is the Lamb. For Thou was slain and it's redeemed us by Thy blood out of every kindred and out of every tongue and out of every people. And I said, you better learn that song that redemption is only by way of the virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Thank God He is the open way. Amen. Even though He's the ordained sacrifice and the only sacrifice. Thank God He's the open sacrifice. I like what happened when it said there in that chapter, and I read it, when He said, It is finished. The Bible said that the veil of the temple was rent in two. That veil was there to keep people out of the Holy of Holies. Thank God when Jesus died, the Father ripped that veil in two, and it began to swing wide. I hear them priests as they come running back up to Jerusalem to meet up with the rest of that crowd. And some of them said, oh, we've got him now. We've got him now. Our problems are over and those other boys that just come from the temple said, yeah, but we got bigger problems because the veil of the temple's been rent in too, and just anybody now could walk right in oh, to the yeah. holy of holies. Right. Well, thank God when he died on the cross of Calvary, God rent the veil, the blood was applied to the mercy seat of heaven right. and now it is open to you, to the lowliest pauper, to him. the greatest sinner, to those that have been cast out and not welcome, I'm glad it's open to the most stupid, dumb, ignorant. It's open to the most barbarian wow. and the vilest and the, uh, even to the wisest or the smartest unto all them that will humble themselves and come to Jesus and Jesus alone to be saved by the grace of God. He says... Come unto me, all ye. I'll give you rest. Come by his cross. Come by the blood. Yeah. Come to the Son of God. Hallelujah. Dark the sin that sold man's nature. Long the distance that he fell. Far removed from hope in heaven. Feared the deep despair in hell. But there was a fountain open, and the blood of God's dear Son purifies the soul and reaches deeper than the stain has gone. Glad I can travel this world over. I can lift up the cross of Calvary and I can point men, women, boys and girls, whatever kindred, tribe, nation of people they are. I can say, look yonder to Jesus Christ who bled and died, who rose from the dead, sitting on the right hand of the Father. And He bids you come for the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away all your No greater mountain in all the Word of God than the mountain of crucifixion where all the Old Testament was fulfilled in Him be our Redeemer and to be our Savior. I say hallelujah to His holy name. Let's stand all over the house. you're here tonight, you've never been saved by the grace of God. Jesus said this, Let the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. I don't know your history. I don't know your record, but God knows it all. I do know this, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanse you from all sin, make a brand new creature out of you. Not standing here in my righteousness or in anything I've done, but because of Christ Jesus the Lord, there is the power of the gospel unto salvation. Everyone that believeth, you first and also to all us. Lord, let's bow our heads and hearts. Sister, if you come on the piano, please. up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, praying for sinners, while in such woe, I want to say my friend, while he was on the cross, you were on his mind, why don't you come tonight, get in this altar, ask the Lord to save you are saved by the grace of God, ask the Lord to strengthen you. Tell others about Him, what He's done for you. Don't ever give up praying for others. Thank God that's what Calvary is all about. Folks here praying around the altar tonight, come on, join them. Last night of this meeting, let's ask God to seal some things in our hearts. Let's ask God to seal some things He said to us even tonight. I believe I can get down on my knees and worship Him. Thank Him that there is a hill called Calvary, a place called Golgotha. Dinners might be made whole. Lives might be changed. Thank God mercy might be shown. The only way God can still be holy and just is for Jesus to have done what He did. That's the only way God can save you Save me through the sacrifice of His dear Son. Tonight you need to come partake of that sacrifice. Trust in His blood. Call on His name. I beseech you. Lay hold by faith upon yonder cross. Beg Jesus to forgive you. There's redemption. There's power. There's salvation for the vilest of sinners. Found in what Jesus did upon the cross of Calvary gods a talking to you, you need to come come on right now we wait just a few minutes he continues to play